Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Tonight, I, I, I really want to talk about the principle of stewardship. Um, so before I get started, um, I might pray. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to, to come up here and, and preach your word tonight. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be with me and that you would, you'd guide my words and you'd guide my mind uh, to, to deliver the message that you want to deliver tonight. And everybody said, Amen. So, so the, I think the first thing to establish is what's a steward. So it's not a word that uh, I hear a lot. So I looked it up and a steward is basically somebody who looks after something for somebody else. So it's, it's a leader. It's, um, it's somebody who, who has a management capacity over something else. Um, so it's, it's leadership. And I looked at that and I immediately went, great. Uh, it's, it's for leaders. It's, it's not for me. But, but you look at it and you go, who is a leader? So I'm not, I'm not the leader of the church, but I've been the leader, leader of a demographic. Um, I've been the leader of a life group. Um, I'm a leader of my family. And if, even if you've got no other responsibility, you're a leader of yourself. So this is, this is for everybody tonight. And most importantly, we are, as Christians, we're stewards of the gospel. Um, we've, been, we've been sent here and Jesus has given us the gospel message and he said, go out and give this to other people. Um, and on top of that, we also have his presence that we have to steward. Um, so before we, before we get started, because this is something that I've, I've this, this message is something that I've wrestled with a bit. And, and for me, any time that I come up here and I deliver something to people, um, I want to make sure that I'm saying the right thing. So everything that I say is something that I've wrestled over. And, and I pray that, that you would wrestle over this stuff too. I, I, the, the, the last thing that I want is to, to be in a church of people who don't think for themselves, and people who don't read their Bible, people who don't actually dig. And when, I was, when I've been digging through some of these concepts and some of these principles, um, one of the things that's, that I've come up against, and I'm, I'm just going to highlight it at the start uh, as a bit of an aside, because in my own life when I've struggled with things I often I often look at it and I go why is this an actual why am I having an issue here and once you identify what the issue is you can then solve the issue um, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard of postmodern thinking um, it, right about in the 15 in, in the middle of the 20th century um, this the postmodernism came in and it was a postmodern philosophy and to, to break it down is basically, I don't know if you've ever heard the, 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 the word um, personal truth. Um, this, is, this is a truth to me. This is my own personal truth. This is what I believe because it's, this is truth to, in my life. And I, I, I think that that's a, that's a fundamental breakdown of what underpins who we are as a society. I think once we start to go down that road, we, we sort of start to ignore what brought us to where we are. So our society has a, a Judeo-Christian foundation which allows us to actually have these conversations that say, I disagree with what you're saying and it's, it's real in my life and not real in yours. Um, in, in the book of Proverbs, um, uh, in chapter 14, verse 12, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it is the way of death. Um, and, and if I could leave you anything before we start is that personal truth isn't truth at all. It's just an opinion. Um, and I think if you, if you talk to anybody who believes in personal truth, they actually don't. They, they believe in their opinion and everybody thinks that they're correct. So 
this is why I encourage people, go and read your Bible. Please read your Bible because it, without your Bible, if you're, just, if you're just making it up as you go, you don't have a foundation for your faith. And we're, uh, we're supposed to be stewards of the gospel. And if we're not stewarding and looking after what God's given us and we don't understand what he's given us, um, then we won't do that properly. So I'm, I'm still smiling. <laughs> but to jump into stewardship, um, I have a key scripture and a quote. So in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, it says, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, and off the back of that, in his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says, Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not in a sense his already. And with, with that scripture in Philippians, it's talking about pressing towards the goal. And this, this scripture has a, has a lot of motion to it. It's a, it's a picture of, of a runner. And I've always, I've always taken this scripture as somebody who's, uh, I'm, I'm running my own, my own race for God. God's given me a vision. God's given me something to carry. So I'm, I'm running and I'm, I'm trying to get everything done that's God, that God's told me to do, which in a sense is correct. Um, but as I, was, as I was pondering on this message, God put a picture of a relay race in my mind. So everybody's running, but we are, we're sitting at a point in time and which started with... Um, well, for, for our and our chapter started with Jesus when he told his disciples go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation. Um, so since that point, there have been people who've carried the gospel message from one generation to the next generation to the next generation, and this is our generation, um, and which is cool. It's cool because it means that it means that I don't own the call of God on everybody's life. I'm I'm responsible for my own work, um, and in. In my, in my job, I manage a portfolio of corporate banking customers, and, but I don't own the business. So I'm, I'm in there for a time. Um, I didn't generate all of these customers myself. And at some point I'll leave my job um, and it was delivered to me in a certain state, the portfolio, and I wanna be able to hand it on to somebody else in a better position than when I received it. And for me, at a high level, that's what a steward does. Um, as, as another example, I play drums in the church, but I don't own the church drumming. I, I'm there, I do a job, um, but people have done it before me and people do it after me. And it's my responsibility to do it to my utmost potential and then to pass it on to the next person um, and train somebody else to do what I do. Um, so my first point is we are not our own. Um, so in the book of Deuteronomy, um, the book of Deuteronomy was, um, it's set just before the children of Israel go into the promised land. So you, just to give some context, at this point in time, um, this is Moses sort of doing his last sort of message. He's, the, the children of Israel have been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years, um, basically as nomads, going nowhere, just going around in circles, uh, prospering, but prospering in the wilderness. And they're, they're about to go in and uh, Moses says this, he says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And this is, a, this, is a, this is a good reminder that what we have has been given to us by God. I've always, I, I, 
I've historically um, approached what I have as something that I've generated for myself. Uh, I I work hard. I I like to think that I do a good job and I get reimbursed for what I have. I make good investment decisions and then I have things and I accumulate. And we all do the same thing. Um, But it's it's important to understand um, what that the capacity that we have to produce wealth has come from God. Um, this, this scripture isn't just an Old Testament scripture. It's mirrored in the New Testament a number of times. Um, there's a scripture, he who provides seed to the sower. Um, there's the parable of the talents. And there's all of these instances in the Bible where basically God is set up as the benefactor, as he's the person who set everything in motion. He, he started it all off and he's, he's basically given you your gifts and your talents to be able to do what you do. Um, and there's a, there's a concept that I, that I love is that there's no such thing as a self-made millionaire. Uh, we often hear this, that, that somebody was a self-made man. And I think that's, there's, there is a lot of, um, uh, nobility is not the right word, but there are people who work hard and they, and they get rewarded for their hard work. But what I, what I would, um, I'd like to expand your thinking to, um, they might have had the original idea, but there were workers that carried out the work. Um, there were people that came before them that set out the cultural and social framework for them to succeed. Um, there were inventors who developed the tools for them to succeed, and they added the hard work and they added the, the vision. But even, even before they had the hard work and the vision, all of that was made possible because God gave them their gifts and their talents and and set them in a certain time in a certain place. And it says in the Bible that He knew us before we were born. He knew us when we were in the womb. I think this this highlights this this concept, which is is a challenging one, where we're we're not necessarily owners of what we have, but we're we're stewards of the things that God's given to us. Um, and in in the book of Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians. Uh, it goes one step further. So this is New Testament. And it says, Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? So it's not, it's not what you have is not your own. It's you're not your own anymore. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So our lives are not our own. And I had this, I had this revelation uh, again while preparing for this. Um, and it's, it's probably ideal because of the season that we're in. We've got another, another child that's just come to us. Um, and God spoke to me and said that you don't own your children. You're stewards of your children. You have your children for a time. You have them for a season. And your job is to train them up in the way that they go so that when they're old, they won't depart. And it's that, it's that picture that we talked about at the start with, with the relay race, with one person having the baton and passing it to the next generation. And when we, when we acknowledge that uh, God is the Lord of our life, um, we acknowledge that He is our owner. So a Lord is somebody that owns, historically land, but owns things. So when we say Jesus is Lord, we're actually saying, Jesus, you, you own me. You have, you have free reign in my life. Tell me what you want me to do. Um, and off the back of that, one, one thing is we have a responsibility to look after ourselves. Uh, we have a our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So in, in your world, I've found that I don't function best if I don't look after myself physically. Um, I went to the gym with Jared for the first time this week after, after a long time. <laughs> and I don't know if you know, but, but if you haven't been exercising for a while, when you start exercising, it really highlights that you haven't exercised for a while. <laughs> so, 
Uh, I remember, I think after the first exercise, and we were we were doing chest for the first day, because who, who wouldn't want to do chest? I've, I've got the upper body strength of a 10-year-old. But uh, after, the, after the first 10 minutes, I went, oh, I feel like I'm going to die here. And, and Jared, who's, who's a bit of a gun, he's just, he's just powering on and he's embarrassing me. He's, he's about four foot shorter than, shorter than me, but he can, he can lift a lot more than I can. But, but it's that if, if we don't look after ourselves and if we, don't, if we don't look after the things of God, then the things of God deteriorate in our lives. So, so we need to make sure that we're, we're constantly in God's presence. We're constantly in the Word. So my second point, after we've, after we've established that we're not our own and, um, and, and what we have is not our own, uh, it starts to get heavy after that. Um, and my, my second point is I'm responsible. I'm responsible for what I've been given. And I remember, I remember when Kate and I first got married, uh, we, we moved out and we moved into our house. And it was, about, it was about a month in and we didn't have a lot. And we're just sitting there in our, in our living room and figuring out what we wanted for dinner. And we're like, we had this, we had this motto just after we got married was, no parents, we can do what we want. <laughs> so I remember having a, uh, for dinner one night, we had a box of pizza shapes and a glass of wine. <laughs> and it was like, the, the motto was, there's no parents. <laughs> but you can only do that for so long <laughs> before you start to reap the, uh, the reward of what you've, <laughs> what you've been investing in your own life. And you start to understand that, okay, there's no parents that are telling me what to do anymore. So now I need to make those decisions and I'm responsible. And, and in the Bible, um, in the book of Luke, Jesus gives a parable um, of the faithful servant and the evil servant. Um, I, love, I love the book of Luke. He was a physician. He was very meticulous about how he wrote things down. And he wrote a lot of parables out. And um, this, this parable was supposed to be a bit of an extreme scenario. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll read it out. It's a, it's a long passage, so hopefully it should be on the screen. Um, uh, it comes in Luke 12. Um, so in verse 43, it says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he's not looking for him, and at an hour he is not aware and will cut him into and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. So that's a metaphor. He's not actually physically cutting him in two because he's apportioning him with the unbelievers. And, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do it according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes and shall be beaten with a few. For, every, uh, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. So that's a really heavy passage of Scripture, and it makes me go, all right, if I take the, that I don't own what I have, and I don't own who I am, and I've got a responsibility to carry the gospel, and I've got to carry His presence with me in my life, and also on top of that, I'm going to be asked to give an account. It just, it just makes it a lot more real in your life, going, there's, there's not oversight every day. This is not something that... Um, that there's somebody there telling you to do. Uh, it's good to come to church and to be told what to do. But this is why I say right at the start, you need to read your Bible to find out what you need to be doing. Um, in my, again, in my job, I have very little oversight in my day-to-day uh, work. Um, at the start of every year, I'm assigned a target, uh, a, a, a suite of targets, and they basically say, "Go. this is what you need to do in order to achieve your goals. And I probably get 
two check-ins a year where my boss comes and says, well, what are you actually doing? Where, where are you at? Uh, what are you doing with your time? And if I go and I say, well, nobody was telling me what to do. Um, I've, I had some long lunches. Um, I spoke with a lot of people, but I actually didn't achieve anything. Um, he's going to say, well, I told you what to do. You haven't done what you're supposed to do. So now you probably need to find another job. Um, so I think in, in this scripture, it says that we've been told what to do. And this is, this is not what God's told us corporately to do as much as it's what God has told us to do. Uh, the thing that I like about this scripture is that it removes the comparison with our na- neighbours. It's, it's a, one of the things that we have a tendency to do in church life is to look at the people around us and gauge our, our level of performance with the people who are, who are standing next to us. But God's not necessarily told the person sitting next to you to do what he's told you to do. And when we're, when we're standing giving an account, um, uh, God's not going to be asking me about what Kate was asked to do or what Nicola was asked to do. He was going to be, he's going to ask me what I was supposed to do. And I think this is, this is cool because then, then you can gauge how you're going and it, it requires constant check-in. Um, so that's a heavy scripture. And just if, you, if it wasn't heavy enough, um, <laughs> can I smile and say, again, I wrestle with this stuff. So there's, there is zero judgment in what I'm saying tonight because I'm constantly uh, taking, taking measure in my own life. Um, in the book of James, it talks about being saved by faith, um, uh, which, is, which is one thing that we hear a lot in, in particularly the modern church about just, just believing in God and, and you'll be okay. Um, but in James chapter 2, verses, uh, starts in verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also by faith itself, it, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do what you want. Uh, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the Spirit was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And I'm not saying that um, we can earn our salvation. I'm not saying that at, at all. But what I am saying in, in reading that scripture is that if we have faith, if we say that we have faith, but we're not doing anything about it, then I would, I would question um, what you believe and who you're believing in. Um, because because if, we, if we believe in God and we believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, that, that births something in our lives that requires us to do something. And if we're if, we're, if we say we have a relationship with God, we should be asking Him what we should be doing with our lives. Um, and again, this is, this is something that I wrestle with um, a lot. Um, and I've heard of this, this term, it's called functional atheism. Um, I don't know if you've heard it, but it, it's basically where we say that we believe in God, but our lives don't mirror what we say. And it's a, it's a trap that we can fall in in corporate church where we go, I, I can come to church on Sunday and I can say, yes, I believe God. We can sing the songs. We can do everything. I can, I can do everything that I say that 
uh, that appears to be a believer, but but when I go home, I'm somebody completely different, and it's a it's a real trap. Um, so there needs to be an outward representation, and we need to be checking in with God at all the time. Um, and this this scripture talks about physical poverty, which we need to be which we need to be uh, meeting the needs of those around us. But there's also a spiritual f- uh, poverty as well that is really evident in our generation, where people don't know what they believe, and they're they're looking at themselves to try and figure out what they believe. They're looking for a personal truth because they've been told that truth is personal. Um, but they need somebody to actually go and tell them, we know the truth, and the truth is Jesus, and this is this is what he looks like. So if I could, after all of that, if I could just encourage us for a little while, <laughs> um, particularly in this faith, hope, love season, um, and you may not be personally clothing the poor or, or feeding the hungry, um, but in 2018, if you were a giver in this church, um, I'm just going to tell you some of the things that you did. Um, and as a church, uh, we gave... Uh, we give out 20 tons of free food, fruit and veggies each week out of our City Point West campus. Uh, we gave 1,200 Christmas hampers to the less fortunate. We gave 1,000 pack the pantry um, uh, bags. And we gave emergency hampers to 5,100 people. Through Red Frogs, we cooked 18,269 pancakes. We gave away 24 tons of Red Frogs. Um, as a church, we gave away 138,346 volunteer hours, which is massive. Um, out of our She Rescue Home, 94 girls were welcomed in. 83 girls were reintegrated with their families. Um, and we continue to financially support 38 girls. Um, and most importantly, we created an environment where 2,954 people made a decision for Jesus. Um, we facilitate two, yeah, that's, that deserves a round of applause. We facilitate 260 life groups and we had a cumulative 320,000 attendees across our 1,600 services just in 2018. So this is, this is faith put in action. Um, and just to tie it back to the faith, love, hope season that we're in, giving facilitates all of this. So if you're a financial member of this church, this is what you're a part of. It's a, we have one of the things that I like because I'm, I'm that sort of, a, I'm a bean counter. Um, I love the accountability that we have as a church. Um, I, I went to last year's AGM. It was great. I got the notes from this year's AGM. Just because, and I encourage you, because there's a lot of scrutiny around what churches actually are doing. And we don't announce this stuff from the platform all the time. Now, maybe we should. But if, if you're interested, it's, it's all available on our website. This is what, who we are as a church. And this is, this is why I, I like to be part of this church. Um, and this leads really nicely into my third point, which is the good servant. Um, in, that, in that really heavy ch- passage out of Luke, it starts with, um, uh, in verse 43, it says, Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will make him a ruler over all that he has. So this is not all work for no reward. Um, and part I'm not going to go into the nuts and bolts of what this is. Pastor Carolina did an amazing message a couple of months ago about um, rewards. So I encourage you to look that up if you want to, if you want to dig really deeply into that because it was a good, it was a good um, summary. But there's a couple of scriptures that I just want to bring your attention to. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it says, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way as to receive the prize. Um, Matthew 6 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so there's this concept of the good servant. And the, the good servant thinks in a particular way because he's not, he's not got his master sitting there telling him constantly, uh, telling him what to do and micromanaging him. So first of all, the, the good servant looks after and grows themselves. Really important that he looks after themselves physically, looks after themselves spiritually, looks after themselves relationally and is continually growing in that area. Because if you can't grow in these areas, you can't teach somebody else. If we come back to the, uh, the picture of the person who's running to win the prize and pressing towards the goal, which, is, which in my mind isn't the finish line, it's the handing of the baton to the next generation. If, if we're not growing ourselves and we're not running the race ourselves and, and making sure that we do the best job, then we may miss passing that baton on to the next person and then the next person misses out and then the next person after them misses out and the next person, and it compounds. And second of all, they look after and grow the kingdom. And we need to we need to shift our we need to shift our goals and our visions to our heavenly goals. Um, it says it says in the Bible to work as if Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Um, he may he's he's not necessarily coming back tomorrow. It says that you still need to live your life. You still need to make plans. You still need to make sure that your affairs are in order. But it's it's critically important to make sure that we're continually growing the kingdom. And as, a, and as a check for this, it's, it's something that's really hard to measure. Um, and in, in church, we need to remember that our treasure and our, our reward is in heaven. It's not nece- you're not necessarily going to see a reward in front of you at this point in time, um, which, which, can be, which can be hard because the, the Christian work is not easy and it's not supposed to be easy, but it's rewarding. Um, because if you're, if you're walking with God, and the one, one of the best things about being in relationship with God is you're, you're walking according to your purpose. If you, if you have something that's not being used to its purpose, so if I, I don't know, if I, if I take my bottle of water and I use it for something that it's not intended to, to be used for, it will frustrate me. If I spill my water on, on say, on, on a book and it'll, it'll wreck the book, it, it's not... Water's meant for nourishing. It's meant for it's meant for washing. It's not meant for combining with paper. So, in our own lives, if we're if we're in right standing with God, we'll be walking according to our purpose. And and whilst things may be challenging, they they are rewarding. Um, the thing that I continually remind myself is that the current situation is temporary. Um, God has God has a vision of time that we don't necessarily have. Our perspective is relative to what we've experienced. And I and I look at this in my own family, and I look at I look at my kids, and if I send them for a 20 minute timeout, it's the end of the world because 20 minutes is such a high percentage of what they've lived so far. But but then on the flip side, if I if I talk to to one of the the older people in our church, I say a 70 or 80 year old, and I say I'm 30, I say I've experienced nothing, where my whole my whole life, everything that I know has been contained to the last 32 years. So that's my perspective of what a long time is. 
Um, God is outside time. God created time. So the way that He, he, he sets things for us, um, so He sets our lives, um, and there is, there's a degree of patience in what we do. Um, so in, in, in closing, um, I just want to bring us back to, to where we started. Uh, so in the book of Philippians, it says, But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the, upward, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And C.S. Lewis again, Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you, do, do, if you devoted every moment of your life exclusively to His service, you could not give Him anything that was not in a sense His already. And there's... Again, there's no judgment in this message. This is something that I'm continually working through. And, and there is, there's no judgment for those who are in Christ. Jesus, Jesus has grace. He has, he has forgiveness. We all, we all make mistakes. And, and this is something that we, that we work through. And I think that the quote is an aspirational quote. It's, it's not something that we're going to be able to measure ourselves up against and say, yes, this is how I live my life. I'm holier than, I'm holier than the Pope. Um, but, but I just I just want to encourage us as a church to to, to have a look at our lives, um, read our Bibles, um, and continually go ask Jesus. If you if you're if you're not sure if you're in the right call, if you're not in the right um, if you're not sure that you're you're doing what God wants you to do, just ask Him and He'll tell you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.